live from the Fountain Blue Hotel in South Beach. This was Sinatra's joint, by the way, Dan. This market call, of course, brought to you by FactSet Financial Data and Analytics, powered by tomorrow. They're also our data provider. In just a minute or two, Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. We're down here for the iConnections Global Alts Conference 2023. Dan, I think there are like 3,000 people registered for this. It's crazy what's going on down here. In South Beach, we're thrilled to be here. This is like the championship week for the markets right no here, right? Because what do we got? We got 20% of the S&P 500 earnings this week. Some big names, obviously, Apple on Thursday. Some big industrial names. There's a whole host of other names there. And then we have the Fed and the presser on Wednesday afternoon. And then we have the January, the all-important January jobs data guy on so, Friday. So on Fast Money, I think it was Thursday, or I get my days confused, but you know, Mel talked about this week, the importance of it. And it is, I think this is an extraordinarily important week, one of the more important weeks we've probably seen in the last year or so in terms of all the things we're seeing. But more importantly, in terms of what the market's done and the levels we're at here, and I said something that seems glib and obvious, but it's not necessarily. This is one of those weeks where move in a significant way, and I don't think you fade the first move. In other words, if you start getting good earnings, if the Fed says something that the market likes, do not fade that move to the upside, because it's going to be pretty violent. It could take us to the August highs, which I think were 43.50 or so. Conversely, given the levels we're at, if earnings are disappointment, which is, by the way, what I think is going to happen, and if the Fed remains hawkish, which, by the way, I think is going to happen, and if the inflation data continues to be hot, which I think is going to happen. This thing is going to crater, in my opinion, and you don't want to fade that. So buckle your seatbelts, folks, because just like those games yesterday, the first Niner game was shitty, pardon me. But the Bengal game was great. Clearly the refs were in Mahomes' back pocket because some of the calls and non-calls. And can I tell you, Tony Romo, if you're watching, shut up. I mean, I talk because this is a show where we talk. There's nothing behind. You know, he playing. also that's what he's meant to do, though. Also, Except he's commenting. being played. You got the markets open right now. Yeah, well, we do. The Nasdaq uh, on the close on Friday was up 11. percent We talked about this a lot. I mean, some of the stuff that had really been moving: meme stocks, crypto. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, your Nvidia was up 40 percent, 40 percent on the year. Now, guys, I just want you to do a little math here. So, if a stock is down 70 percent from Mm -hmm. Okay, but then it rallies 40%. Still down. Yeah, still down a lot. Okay, so the point is it's still down in market cap terms. Like, think about this. This is really important because Tesla is a great example. Stock's up 40% on the year, okay? It got as low as, what, $350 billion in market cap. At its all-time highs in late 2021, it was $1.2 right? So it was down 80-some or almost 80% mm -hmm. from its highs. So, I, like, to me, up 40%, there's no, there's no dance to be done. There's no victory lap to be done. You are not out of the woods. You and I saw this again and again and again in 2001 02 and we saw it again in 08 into early 09 so these are not this is not any indication that the bear market's done in my opinion the hyperbole around the moves we're seeing is well founded you know when you're talking about 60 70 percent moves i mean to your point about nvidia which is going to be an important release not this week coming up though and a lot of people are getting all jazzed up about nvidia now by the way it became from being a reasonably valued stock to being an expensive stock again Stock went from, I think, a low of a 108 or something to current levels. I mean, that's a, probably saw a 70% move off the bottom. But to your point, if something goes down, this is the easy math that I can do. I actually passed the SATs back in 1981. If something goes down 50%, it gets cut in half. It needs to go up 100% to get back to where it was. I mean, that's just some of the things we're talking about. And some of these stocks have been down 80%, so a 40%, 50% bounce yeah, it's significant if you caught it. And apparently I was looking at the Twitter yesterday. 
and the Instagram yesterday. Apparently, some people actually were able to buy Tesla yeah. at 101.87. Good for you, by the way. Excellent job. I was not one of those people. The point is, nothing's been fixed. That's right. All right, let's look at the S&P 500 here. Well, here we are. It's kind of interesting. We got to the December highs. We failed seemingly right now. Okay, who knows what's going to happen here? But it's interesting when you just think of that resistance going back, you know, a month and a half or so. It's still above that 200-day moving average, still closed above that downtrend that it's been in. And I just want to kind of key on this one. Our friend, um, well, I don't know if he's our friend. He's been on Market Call and he's been on Alf on on the tape. I mean, I think Macro Compass is a great read. I think he's a great follow on the Twitter. I'd like to say that he's our like macro alf friend or something like he's that our, he's our macro yoda yeah. is that's from that movie right yeah from uh close encounters i love that movie. yeah i know when they fly the bicycle yeah the et2 um all right here's he had a tweet maybe these guys will throw this up here it says the s&p 500 trades at 17 times forward pe the s&p 5, the s&p you ready for this 494 trades at 13 times for P. All right. So the point he's trying to make, take the top six out. Okay. The rest of them trade really cheap. Now we know that past bear markets have, you know, what are they bottomed at like 12, 13 times, something like that. But our friend, the wall street cynic, who we're going to see tonight. That's Jim Chano. That is Am Jim I allowed Chano. to say that? Do people know yeah. that that's him? No, yeah, I don't you're not know. doxing him. You're not doxing What's him. That? I mean, why would I do that? that <laughs> you're not doxing him. So, so Jim responds. And he says, okay, now to do the analysis, taking out energy stocks, profits from the S&P 509, the other side of the same bell curve on valuation skew. So that's right. interesting. I want you to speak to that because, again, like, you know, the, the, the outperformance of energy, okay, in last year, I mean, can you imagine where valuations would have been, where can you imagine where S&P 500 earnings would have been without energy? It's amazing, and this is not meant to be derogatory yeah. anyway. This is not a knock, but it's amazing what you can do with math if you tweak a couple things here and there. Sure. You can make if you tend to be bullish, or if your dogma is that you want things to go higher, you can make things look really good. And yep. conversely, if your dogma, or if you're bearish, you can make things look really miserable with the same set of data, just tweaking a couple things around the edges. By the way, one of the reasons the market went up in such a precipitous fashion for years was because of those six to ten stocks Correct. that the Alf uh, pointed out. So I'm not suggesting he's trying to have it both ways, not at all, but. It's all part and parcel. And if these stocks start to give up the ghost, which Microsoft, by the way, having traded from 253 post earnings down to 232 and a half next day, back up to 245. Now that's starting to give it up a little because I think the market's coming to the realization that, wait a second, in this environment, these are expensive stocks. And the market is, as a whole, in my opinion, at these valuations, expensive. And by the way, that's 17 times if it comes into the earnings uh, forecast that people are looking for. Those earnings forecasts are coming down in a pretty uh, significant way. Well, that's a great point, right? So if you take the average PE multiple, and again, a lot of us don't trade on PE multiples, but we're just using it as an input here, and you took those six stocks, and let's say you brought them down to 17, okay? What does that mean for the valuation of the 500? It means that we're going to trough at a lower PE than in the prior period. And again, I think that what the point that I want to thread here is that, and this is not about valuation, but then if earnings from energy companies are supposed to trail off in Q2, and then we're starting to see a deceleration in some of those big contributors to S&P earnings, then you're going to have an earnings decline below that $200 in S&P yeah. earnings right now. And at that point, go ahead, put a 16 times on that. That put still in- gets you back to the pre-pandemic highs in the S&P down there near 3200 Put a 17 time. You get a 3400 yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the yeah. level we've been talking about. Yeah. But we don't just pull this stuff out of our bleep. And actually, some math behind it. Nice, so, nice. well, thank you. It makes and you know, sense. when you do that, you save Jacob a lot of time in the editing room. It's really helpful. Jacob. By the way, Jacob, 
him and Rafus together. Yeah. And then you throw Amanda when she comes back. I oh mean, that's God. quite a triumph. It's what we call Murderers Row, maybe. I don't know if that because you need more people for murder. <laughs> what about you and me? Well, you add us in there, yeah. then you have a, then you have. A well, we got a nice outfit. Yeah. All right, let's do this really quickly here because we got to get to Carter. You said one or two oh, minutes, and he is waiting patiently here. I just want to throw up this S and P five hundred equal weight because it kind of speaks to some of the things that I think Alf was getting to. And again, you know, it's not far off from its highs last year, which is pretty remarkable. So we've seen this rotation into other parts of the market. We've seen the way financial stocks have mm -hmm. rallied. We've seen industrial stocks. We're going to take a look at Cat pretty soon, which is kind of off the hook. Your energy group or whatever. So we just wanted to kind of put that up there it's coming up against some resistance a guy real quickly on this vix chart here um again it's holding on for dear life and that 20 level uh, you know if the s p were to go to those august highs it would be commensurate probably with a 16 vix or so which would put it at 13 month lows we had a great interview a week or so ago talking about the vix mr Sidio, i think joined yeah us. for the ambrose group on the ott the ambrose uh, group a-m-b-r-u-s yeah. yeah. look it up on, on chris with a k K-R-I-S, like Kardashian, who, by the way... Is at the conference. She's at Do you think conference. we could get you a one-on-one? Because it's that one-on-one. It's not that kind of conference. All right, move it. Sorry about that. Anyway, the point what he was making, he understood uh, why the VIX is doing what it's doing. And yeah. again, a 19 VIX to me is not at all portraying or at least exhibiting some of the fears and headwinds that are out there. But I understand it. With that said, quickly, I mean, you're starting to see the VIX show some signs of life here, which I think sort of portends the market going down. Yeah, and again, I'm not a huge chartist of the VIX, and, and, and Carter would probably tell us it's kind of a, not a worthwhile endeavor here. Mm -hmm. But again, it's been in this very steep downtrend from that kind of 33 level um, the last time in October we were making lows in the S&P 500. I quickly want to get to the NDX guy. Um, you know, look at the range we kind of defined here. You see that support down there. Um, you know, it's like 10, 650 mm -hmm. or something like that. And you see the resistance where we're kind of banging around. And again, this kind of speaks to those big names that we had. I mean, if Microsoft had stayed down and continued to go down and then Apple, let's say, disappoints later on this week, you're going to have an NDX that's going to be very close to those October lows the not so distant future thoughts there 9800 is the level that i've been talking about it makes sense for a myriad of different reasons i think that's i do think that's what we're going to see and again the microsoft like microsoft i've said it on this show i've said it on fast money it's one of the three or five most important companies in the world they've done a remarkable job over the last five years of effectively pivoting from old tech to new tech all that being said in this environment, one, it's an expensive stock. And listen to the commentary on the back of that conference call and the interview that Satya Nadella did about two and a half, three weeks ago yeah. in India. I mean, that does not turn on a dime. I mean, those headwinds will continue for the foreseeable future. Now, if the market wants to pay up for Microsoft, understanding that they're going to probably have headwinds for six to nine months, as you say, what do you say? Have at it. Have at it, people. Yeah. Knock yourself yeah. out. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be the case. And I do think it was 213, I think we saw the low in Microsoft when it dropped. I think yeah. you're going to revisit that. All right, let's do it. Let's bring Carter bring Braxton him, Worth. Him, way, he handsome. is from Worth Charting. You guys know and love him from Market Call. You know and love him from CNBC Fast Money and from the Options oh, Action. Uh, Carter, how are you, bud? You guys are looking hey. good down there. How's the... Uh, How's the fountain blue? Good. I, it, it's beautiful. We know that you were just down here with your your, your some of your young ones here. It's a fun it's place. A lot to of be. swimming pools down there. It, lot of, it feels like it was made to be in Vegas. Um, no casinos, like you know what I mean, that sort of thing. But it's a great spot, and so we're here for this eye connections. A lot of people that you know um, are down here, Carter. Thousands, thousands of market participants here. Talk to us a little bit about what you're thinking. You heard our discussion with the S and P. You you chart a lot um, the S and P versus the equal weight. What what is your take there? You 
know, just what is it, five percent below the all-time highs, and we still have the S and B, um, you know, uh, market weight still down considerably. Thoughts there? I mean, look, it cuts both ways. A lot of times, people cite um, an, an aggregate that's equal weighted, the SP equal weight versus the actual weight, as representing a, a thing that's good about breadth. And yet, if you look at all the great ascents, they really are driven by key leaders. So that's the question here. Um, okay, the key leaders, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Google, are all on the ropes and underperforming. Um, so by sort of by default, the, the equal weight index looks better, uh, but it's all about those big names, right? It's where yeah. the, the long-term growth is and it's where the opportunity is for, it's what who's a disruptor and who isn't, right? Who's a game changer? Yeah. Versus, and just to be clear, while it can do it for trade, should we really sit around fair? Should we get overweight Dow here and underweight DuPont or international paper or U.S. Steel? Those are trades, but the structural thrust of the market, of the economy of America is finding great long-term winners. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and one last thing, though, we've spent some time talking about those big names here, Carter. I mean, you know, a lot of very prominent market watchers, we've heard them talk a little bit about um, you know, I wouldn't wait for some of those big names, the prior leaders, to be the leaders uh, on the way out of this bear market. Thoughts on that? Because, again, we're really focused from an earnings contribution, but also a valuation contribution on those big names. Right. So there, there's sort of a mantra that who led in one cycle cannot lead in the next. And to some extent, there's uh, historical data for that. But uh, remember, when one starts to have a sort of a, a guaranteed roadmap, it's never going to work. Right. So. Uh, there will be great tech names that are part of the leadership um, if and as the market does turn for real. Yeah. Um, but it's it's always value growth. It's always small, large, and so forth and so on. All right, Guy, talk to me a little bit because, again, one of the major inputs to valuation, as we know, is yields. And we have this two-year chart of the 10-year U.S. Treasury yield. It's sitting right on that uptrend. Carter can talk to that a little bit. But talk to us how you think, like, you know, bond volatility, I saw this over the weekend. Someone wrote, um, maybe it was a tweet or something, they showed the move, which is the, the volatility index for um, the Treasury market here. And it's really calmed down a bit. And you've mm -hmm. been talking about the volatility in the bond market for a long time. We're at a level here, three and a half percent seems like a, a big one for the tenure. Talk to us a little bit about that. It's uh, calmed down. I mean, bond volatility has clearly calmed down from what we saw some of the absurdity six to nine yeah. months ago. And, and that's a good thing. And we've pointed out that bond volatility calming down, that's one of the things you needed in order for the market to put in the bottom. Unfortunately, I think what we're about to see is bond volatility picking up again. And we saw whispers of it over the last couple of weeks. I mean, we saw over the course of a few hours 10-year yields moved by 16, 17 basis points. I mean, again, that's types of moves we saw a while back. So although, yes, it ebbed for a period of time, I think it's about to get back on the horse. Now, this is how I think it plays itself out, Carter. I'm sure he has thoughts on this as well. I think it plays itself out with 10-year continuing to go lower, in my opinion, and the two-year continuing to be sort of, I don't know, steadfast, um, dug in, around that four and a quarter percent or so. Right now, twos, tens, the inversion's about 70 basis points-ish. And I do think that's going to a percent. And I gotta tell you, not being an economist, I don't know necessarily what it means, but I just don't think it's good. 10-year going down, economy slowing down. Makes a lot of sense. Two-year staying stubborn above 4% means inflation's still a problem. It makes sense. That's not a great backdrop for equities in my opinion. Yeah, so Carter, talk to us about that trend line that we drew there. Again, maybe it's not as straight or as yeah, accurate I mean, as the one that you might have done, but. Flirting with the break. I mean, ultimately, I think the whole 
curve is going lower uh, because they're probably getting close to being done and very controversial. But I mean, the probably the, the biggest question we each have to ask is, people, individuals or professionals or any capacity in the market, what in the next six to nine months can one do committing capital that on a risk adjusted basis, not be a little bit better, but meaningfully better than a two year note from the federal government? That is the challenge, right? Because it's yeah. a hell of a thing to be able to get 4.3%. Um, it is a heck of a thing. Are, are you thinking, though, just on the tenure here? Because, again, I just feel like what happened over the last month or so is the tenure came in, two months actually, you know, we saw money go back into some of the most, you know, you know, I don't know what you want to call them, riskiest, you know, stocks. We saw crypto mm -hmm. reflate, that sort of thing. What does this chart tell you? Where, where do you think this, should it find support here? And is there a chance that like if Fed Chair Powell, even if he just kind of jawbones a little bit on Wednesday about staying a bit more pat on his hawkish stance, are we going to see the 10-year bounce a little bit to Guy's point, the two years stuck in there? Or is it going to be more reflective of, let's say, some of the weaker growth that we're starting to see priced into the market also? I think it's the latter. Yeah. I think that, right, because it's not about what's being said now. It's always out six months. If, yeah. if anyone can do that, but if anyone can do it, the market can do it. And, we, and the market is basically saying, to my eye, that, you know, we're we're in the end phases of what yeah. was an incredible bump up in yields. Yeah. No, all right. And then one more. I want to hit you. Um, I want to hit Guy first on the dollar, U.S. dollar. It's interesting as we're probably, what, a third away through S&P earnings. Maybe, you know, we're going to be at, you know, more than half by the end of the week. Um, you know, a lot of companies were blaming the dollar, the headwinds when we had the Dixie just kind of going. It felt, you know, not exactly parabolic, but it had a move from like 90 to 115 in the prior, you know, what year fall, up until the yeah. fall. Um, we're not hearing a lot of companies saying that, that that weakness of the dollar from 115 to, to below 102 is something that's been a real boon so far. Talk to me a little bit about the dollar because, you know, like I would have thought this is something that, you know, maybe it's one of the reasons why some of these U.S. multinationals have not had to have meaningful guide downs. So much of the, listen, the euro is a huge component yeah. of the dollar without question, but a lot of this move sort of started when the Bank of Japan came in and intervened yeah. many months ago in their currency, and then subsequently a month or so ago they intervened in their bond market. But that was not a bond market intervention as much as it was a dollar intervention. They were clearly concerned that the yen was losing value at a historic rate. Obviously, that stopped the dollar from going higher, and it sort of put the brakes on things. So what does it all mean? Well, it should, in fact, that headwind that was created by a stronger dollar should have abated a bit. Companies aren't talking about it for whatever reason. But again, if the Fed is going to be as hawkish as I think they are, I just think there's another round higher here in the U.S. dollar. Not probably to the same magnitude that we saw. I guess more in the line of I think it stopped going down uh, for a period of time. All right. And so, so Carter, that's what we call a, a pretty good segue to you. I saw on Worth Charting late last week, you had a note out on the dollar. I didn't draw any lines on this thing. But just if you just want to say, you know, give us your quick two cents on that. And, um, you know, I think I had a pretty decent trade following you on the dollar on the way up in 2022 and then going the opposite way when it kind of looked like it was peaking here. And is it a tradable moment or is this Dixie going to get to a hundred? Are you, you think you might be a little early here? Talk to me uh, on this, on this call. Yeah. I, in fact, you know, it's funny. We kind of, if you recall from the client note, he said this note today arguing for buying the dollar likely will be as unpopular as the September client yeah. note selling the dollar. Um, it just, and, and, and I get all sorts of, well, what, what metrics are you using? What oscillator? How many standard deviate? A lot of it's just eyeball. And that's, yep. 
either very good or very bad. But we have the equal and opposite circumstances we had in that spike on September 29th. Uh, the dollar was loved. And we have the exact opposite now. It's everyone's on. So you remember they used to talk about that. What's that joke about the law of uh, canoes at summer camp? You got to kind of know where the big heavy kid is, right? Because if he's on the wrong side, the whole thing's going to flip over. <laughs> uh, it, it's lopsided here. Everyone's dollar bear, dollar bear, just as much as everyone was dollar bull. Um, I'm going to take the other side. And so I'm playing for a bounce here. The real question is, does that mean gold falters a bit or the equity rally falters? Mm -hmm. a bit, or does that mean we get concomitant move up in rates? Because a lot of these things are synchronized and, and there's a lot of interplay. I don't know the answer to any of those, but I'm keeping a close eye trying to figure it out. All right. Fair enough. All right. Let's hit some single stock names. We, we got to get out of here pretty soon we here. 5, um, yeah, we do have the Audi 5000, as Guy likes to say. Um, last week we had a, um, I don't know, I would say it was a, um, I don't know, it was a kind of geeked up conversation, animated, animated, animated conversation on work. Chevron. It was the day before they reported earnings. They announced a 75 billion with a B, with a B um, share buyback. We talked about it a little bit. And listen, there was no time in which they put like the uh, end date for it. They didn't say, give any guidance on how much they were going to buy. We were talking about this is a $350 billion market cap company with $15 billion in cash. They obviously generate a lot of cash flow. Um, you know, you thought it was maybe a little like uh, thumb in the eye to, to the government or whatever. It was the exact top. I'm, I'm not saying it topped out. For I'm now, just saying, yeah. you know, and we have Exxon reporting tomorrow morning. If you want to throw up this, um, you know, the Chevron chart here, um, might it look like a little double top here? You see that 200-day down there. What is that, like, you know, 165 or something like that? Um, Carter, thoughts on the chart here? And then we want to hit Exxon real quickly. They report tomorrow before the opening, and the implied move is about 3.7%. This one did make a new all-time high, came back in line with Chevron a little bit. Thoughts on, on Chevron and Exxon, and maybe specifically Exxon into the print? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really don't like the integrates. I like the, the drillers. That's the OIH-type mm -hmm. name, Schlumberger, Halliburton, Baker, Hughes versus the big integrateds. They're ones that are idiosyncratic, like Hess. They just look like they're on their own. Um, but my hunch here, and you've annotated the chart, uh, is to be underweight energy relative to the market overall. Guy, thoughts? I mean, might we see these things pull back? And just, you know, we saw some volatility in this space last year. Even yeah. though they performed very well, closed very near their highs, there were some huge moves in the fall, you know, when crude started coming down in pretty hard. And then they rallied back. And I think you were trying to make the bull case, rightfully so, the relative strength to the commodity was the thing that you wanted to kind of continue to lead into. You and Carter, I think in the fall, late fall, probably into December, talked about a bearish XLE play, which played out right before your very eyes. And there have been a number of moves to the downside that have been extraordinarily tradable. And you're probably on the precipice or in the midst of one now. The point I would make, you know, again, if you want to just look at these things through the lens of valuation and in terms of how well the businesses are run, Valuations are still reasonable, despite the fact that Conoco, Chevron, Exxon, all within whispers of their all-time high. Balance sheets are pristine, as you as manifested by a 75 billion, 20 percent of the float buyback that Chevron announced. And they just run better, just better companies, yeah. because they were forced to be better companies. ESG minus 39 dollar print in the front month a couple of Aprils ago in the commodity underlying commodity. Obviously, the Biden administration not playing politics, but. Again, one of the platforms was we want big energy to be put out of business, which I, I understand. I get it. OK, I totally get it. All those things have like basically lent themselves to the moves that we're seeing now. So, yes, we're in the midst of a pullback. Do I think it's a viable pullback? Absolutely. I'll say it again. You know, I think these energy stocks 
OIH trading at 320-ish now as we're sitting here. I think these energy stocks will continue in 2023. I don't think that's necessarily going to bring the broader market along with it, but I think we still play energy from the long side. All right, fair enough. Um, all right, let's talk about this one reporting before the opening tomorrow. I love this, this is by the Caterpillar. Way. Yeah. You were you looking over my shoulder on the fast money no, a couple weeks ago when the that. deer, remember the deer? And yeah. you said, What did I say? You said, What did I say? You said the epic double. The epic and what double. was it? All right, let's talk. It was a double double. Was. Let's talk about cat reports before the opening. You know, this stock is up 65% off its lows in September. It's making new 52 week lows there. Um, the implied move in the options market is about 4%. This is, I, I think, Carter would probably say it's maybe not a technical term, but that move off the September, October lows into the November, you know, early December highs before it just broke out again was parabolic. There's no doubt about it here. Talk to me about the setup as you're thinking about this. Here's a company that's expected to grow earnings about 10% this year, sales about 8%, trades about 17 and a half times. So it's basically trading in market multiple. Does it deserve to be? Deer trades cheaper Less expected growth here, but again, um, you know, it just seems like this move is a bit off size. I kind of want to play it going the opposite way. Give me your fundamental take, and then I want to get Carter's take. Cyclical names, I mean, they don't, I, in my opinion, they're not deserving of a market model. They should be trading less. Deer does. And yeah. if you look at, I mean, I don't want to pull a deer chart up, but that was a textbook double top, and it traded exactly that. Caterpillar, I thought, would do the same thing. It didn't. So I think the level was 242-ish was prior all-time yeah. high. We blew through that, and here we are now. How do you play it in earnings? I think you have it right. I think it'll probably do a back and fill to that prior all-time high of about 242. But if I'm wrong, what happens? I think you can see the blow-off top of all time, and it's probably going to manifest itself in four or five times normal volume. And then you put that same exact trade on, which may not have worked the first time you put it on again. So I'm with you. I don't know if it's going to work necessarily on the back of earnings, but it's, in my opinion, either this huge blow-off top, which gets us back to 242, we didn't get earnings release, which takes us immediately back to 240. All right, fair enough. Carter, what's that chart saying to you? Well, we have this circumstance throughout these this type, if you could say this type of stock. Put this in context. Cat, big, heavy, sort of cyclical industrial, of course, up 65% off that low that you've cited. Um, GE up 75, Boeing up 90. We've had a lot of these big, heavy, old world names um, mm-hmm. come to life, which essentially is money flow. If it comes out of Microsoft and Google and Amazon, it's got to go somewhere and it can't go into some small little mid cap, uh, you know, we do something special on the internet stock. It's got to go somewhere real. And that's where it's gone. So at this point, these are overplayed, I think, in their totality, uh, which leaves them, uh, from my seat, better sells than buys. All right, here's a quick way to do it. This is how I'm going to do it in the options market, this little trade. Um, it lines up with the technicals. You and I didn't even talk about this guy. No, and, I, but and, you uh, pay attention because well, it's, it, it's the cheapest thing you do. It's the cheapest thing you do. And it's better when we don't, rehe- we don't rehearse. Yeah. It's better than it's, what, what do they call it, organic? We just show up, and this is not water in this cup either. Right. So that's why we're having so much fun here uh, down in Miami. All right, here's the trade, defining my risk. Just look at the February expiration. So today, when the stocks are on 264, you could buy the February 262.40 put spread, paying about $5 for that, buying one of the February 260 puts, about 685, selling one of those 240 downside puts, $1.85, $5 is your max risk. You break down at 
255. You have gains of up to $15 between 255 and 240. That's our target to the downside between now and February expiration. You have losses up to $5 between 255 and 260 with a max loss of five above 260. And what I like about this trade, I like the risk reward here. I'm risking a little less than 2% of the stock price. I have a break even down about three and a half percent from here. And I can have a max gain of about nearly 6% of the stock price if it's down, I don't know, a little less than sort of 10% between now and February expiration. I have that event that I'm targeting. As always, I use a mental stop, about 50% of the premium that I spent on this thing. Now, sometimes with an earnings event like this, they're a bit binary, right? If they beat and guide up, stock's going higher, and this $5 that I paid for this $20 wide might be worth a dollar. Um, but that's the sort of risk I'm willing to take. But I am risking what I'm willing to lose in something like this. And this is kind of a gut feel. This is not a great trade idea. A really bad couple of trades. I actually... You know what? Don't trade it, people. I've had a lot of bad trade no, ideas actually, over the last I don't, month. I don't, I don't, no, I have. I mean, like, I, I, I just want to short stuff. I want to get short exposure. So I'm getting chopped up right now. I'm just being very honest. You can see it. I did it in the GLD. I did it um, in the FXI. Uh, Jets, I'm still in there. These are some of my recent trades. So sometimes you go through bad periods, people. Yeah, but the good news about this is you can get chopped up. And when you are right, which invariably you will be, yeah. One good one will make up for three or four bad Hopefully. ones. The way these things are structured, yeah. because what you're effectively doing, Dan, wait for it, because this should be a tagline of a show. You're risking less to make more. There you go, and that's a great show. Isn't that a great show? That's OA. One of the panelists of the OA. Of course, yes. All right, Carter, we really appreciate you doing all this heavy lifting. Before we get out of here, can we just hit Tesla? You sent over some sure. charts. You've been, um, you know, you, you said it the other day. You were a little early on the on the when you started to to kind of buy this thing when the charts were telling you to buy it. Um, you doubled down on that. You had it right. You thought it was going to 170. It went to 178. Now on worth charting, you have a note out, and you're saying something different. And you have been saying something different. I mean. Listen, you're trading this one, and I think you have to trade this stock. Let's be clear. You have to, right? And, and uh, you know, you see it's the single most liquid options sort of chain out there, counting in some days 5 to 7% of all activity in the entire market. It's it's a gambling chip, and so let's play it that way. Uh, I've got a bunch of charts if you want to go through them, but um, the 175 plus minus level where I've got that big red asterisk, it looks random, yep. but it's not. Let's go through the charts. First iteration, that's pretty straightforward. We're back to the midpoint. If you look at the next chart to show how precise this is, these lines, I mean, these arrows, they, they draw themselves. So and one could say, yeah, okay, we've gone to the midpoint. Why aren't we gonna go all the way to the top? Uh, in time, one could do that, but the bet now is it's steep and uncorrected to a difficult level. Let's draw the lines a different way. I mean, let's toggle, go to the one prior and this one. Look at this, it's go back, it's, and put in the neckline, basically, if you put and put in the neckline on the red horizontal line, it's and now put them all together. A big move up 75% to a difficult level. Uh, I think you faded here. And then, you know, Guy and Guy brought up a very important point the, the sort of insidious part of losses. When you lose 50%, you've got to go back 100. Well, how about when you go down 75? The irony is that Tesla is up 75% off its low, but it's peak to trough decline from 415 to 102 was 75. So if you go down 75%, you got to go up 4x to recover. It just yeah, shows you always control your losses. 
Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I had a, uh, a bad trade in Tesla into, into the print last week. I had some good trades on the short side here. Um, I've been buying that TSLQ, um, and my average, I think, is below 55 right now. So I was averaging in yesterday. That felt like a crazy blow off top. I love seeing this chart, um, you know, confirms some of my belief. I think this stock is going back to 100. I actually think it could break that this year for a whole host of reasons. We'll continue to talk about that. All right, Carter Braxton worth of worth charting. Nothing slick. Just charts. Yeah, you know what I feel about what, that. What, what do you feel? What, what, what is the no emojis with hearts? <laughs> just charts. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's very like Gen something. Gen something with a letter. But Carter it, yeah. and Carter is that person. Yeah. Well, he's, he's got the sweater on because he's up there in New yeah, York. Yeah, We're down. It's here. nice yeah. down here. It's nice down here. Uh, we'll see you at the pool, buddy. And just to <laughs> give a shout out to our buddy Tom Sweeney. He just texted me. He said, ah, oh, you guys are down at the Fountain Blue. He said, hoist a couple for me. There you go, what Sweeney. Hoist, hoist. Uh, cocktails. Oh. Yeah. All right. I don't know. We get out of here? Carter, thanks so much for He's being with man. us. Oh, the worst really man. Thanks, uh, what do they call it when you you fake, like you sort of play possum? What do they call it? Yeah, that? they call it playing possum. Oh, they do call yeah, that. They, yeah. Well, Travis Kelsey, if you're yeah, watching, yeah. and I know you are, congratulations, but that cat was playing possum because all you heard all day yesterday was he hurt his back, he yeah. tweaked his back in yeah. practice on Friday. I mean, he showed no signs of that yesterday, Nothing. and I think that was all part of the mental games that yeah. the Chiefs were playing. By the way, atrocious officiating. I, I Listen, if the Bengals had won yesterday, yeah. we're in this pool together, yeah. I would have come in second place because I had the Bengals and the Eagles. G-Swiz in the pool. It didn't work out that way, so I'm no. a tad biased. With that said, great effort by the Bengals yeah. on a hostile environment, yeah. as they say, good for the Chiefs. Yeah. Eagles, Chiefs, you know. They got a root for the Chiefs, I think. Obviously. By the way, hockey. Who owns on, the Chiefs? Huh? Who owns the Chiefs? That would I know who owns the Chiefs. It's yeah. um. Why can't I think of the name? Yeah, the guy Sh from Texas. But no, you, shit. You didn't, wait, you didn't get that name. reference. Do you remember from Slapshot? Oh, that's that's from. Now you went who? from football to hockey. I know, but you saw what I did there. By who the way, Paul the Newman, rest in peace. Yeah, I think it was I his birthday you, yeah. last week. I think it would have been you like. Starting to look like Paul Newman a little bit. As you're aging, like a little bit, like somebody, somebody up there. Let's get some, you know, a shot. I wish. We'll I mean, you know, he's he aged stud. extraordinarily. One of my favorite, one of my favorite movies, Butch Cassidy. Butch Cassidy, yeah, Sundance yeah, Kid. Uh, easily, yeah. The, the 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 fall alone will kill you. Yeah. Remember, because yes, I can't swim. The fall alone. Yeah. Sorry about that. Right. I want to thank Carter Braxtonworth, who yeah. always does yeoman's work. Yeah. I like this caterpillar trade, by the way. I want to thank FactSet, financial financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. They're also our data provider, yes, which is sir. a great thing. I want to thank iConnections for setting us up here. I, I mean, they got a crack staff here at the Fountain Blue Hotel. They, they really do. I want to thank you, obviously. I want to thank our audience. We'll be back tomorrow, which is Tuesday, from the same spot. Right. Actually, tomorrow is really special. We're doing um, live on stage Stop here. It. Danny Moses, who is our partner in the On the Tape podcast, is going to be on the market call with us live from the uh, iConnection Global Alts. And Jim, coming? and Jim Chinos is going to be on with us. Jim Chinos. Wall Street Cynic. Go at Wall Street Cynic, the man with the legend. So tune in tomorrow at 1 o'clock. We're going live. That's going to be fun. All right, Thank so. you, everyone. See you later. See ya. Thanks.